Joe Estevez, Vivian Schilling, Greg Thompson, David Sharp, and featuring Robert Zadar. Soul Taker. Hello and welcome to another episode of It Came From The Bottom. Once again brought to you by Head Games Entertainment, your ultimate source for digital series, podcasts, and more. Once again, I'm Jack. I'm Zip. I'm Adina. What the fuck? Zip, you're back! I am! <laughs> Yay! Yay! Huzzah! <laughs> well, welcome. For this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, we brought you back for just a wonderful little movie to talk about today. Yeah. We watched from 1990, Soul Taker. Wait, 1990? Yeah. yeah, it oh looked way older. God. It didn't adjust. Yeah, almost a little bit of uh, eighties. Yeah, maybe. Oh totally yes, just a bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah nineteen ninety. Kind of the age in cinema where you could tell that the eighties were trying to die, but some <laughs> lower budget films like this one and many others mm-hmm. that I've seen just wouldn't let it. But you know, we can't all be Hook. So this movie. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so oh this movie. Okay, now, I think this is a fair question to ask. Had either of you seen this movie before? I uh, have seen the uh, MST3K version. That's right. It is an MST3K movie. Yep. So, yes, that is one of them out Because I, rem- I remember the green glowy ring things. Thank you for jumping in because Adina just gave me a death stare. <laughs> I'm like, 
<laughs> Every time you ask this question. <laughs> I, I, so you haven't seen either one? No. Either, okay. Uh-uh. Yeah, I hadn't seen the MST3K. I hadn't seen this movie either. I'll be honest. If I had seen this on TV when I was a kid in the 90s, I probably would have sat down and watched a little bit of it. Because, I don't know. Opening thoughts into this one. I mean, when you see a, a poster like this, a title like this, Soul Taker, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think the movie actually is pretty good at representing what it's putting out there. Would you agree? Uh, like, I didn't feel misled by what I saw on the on the trailer or the poster or no. the title. He definitely takes souls, is what I'm saying. Well, well, yes, yes he does. <laughs> if you're gonna take it literally, then yes. It does deliver that. <laughs> but that's it. But as far, like, I mean, to me, it, it seems like it's set up to be uh, a, in the horror genre. Right. And it's not and it's scary not. at all. No, no it's not. I, I would call this, not by intention, but a thriller, if anything else. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. A, a, sci- a supernatural thriller. Yeah. That that Yes, that is definitely what I would categorize. But I definitely as. don't think it was written with that intention. No. No. All right, well, that said, Zip, do you have the IMDb description for this movie? Uh, yeah, sit back and enjoy this one. <laughs> Mysterious unseen men in black, parentheses, angels, question mark, <laughs> in parentheses, collect the souls of the recently dead. When four teenagers die, in quotes, in a car wreck, one of these beings, the man, is sent to retrieve their souls. However, the teens are disembodied and realize their predicament. They flee. Wait, wait, that's not, none of that's true. The movie revolves around them being picked off one by one. The man's infatuation with one of the teenagers, who was apparently his lover in a past life, and the efforts of the teens to reunite their souls with their hospitalized bodies. Objection! Some of that is right. Yeah, about 90% of it is bullshit. They said four teenagers? Uh, well, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not true. Like, did they watch the first 30 minutes of the movie? Well, because I, I think what they mean is that there, were, there are four that become disembodied. Yes. The fifth one. She died. She died. Yes. But it says they're killed. In- Hmm? It, said, it said four teenagers are killed. Well, know. I know, and, that, and, that's, and that's what's wrong with the whole thing. It, it says, that, that's why they said when four teenagers die, and die is in quotes. Yeah. Um, but it does say they realize they are disembodied, which is true. Yes. But So some of it's right. Yeah. Just yeah. A little misleading, I guess. But, I mean, to be fair, the movie doesn't really keep up with its own lore either. So. No. The mythology in this movie makes no fucking sense. No. That being said, let's just go ahead and talk about this plot here. So the, th- the thing I noticed first with this was the really long and annoying opening logo. Yes. This is for, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, uh, Hemdale, Hemdale Film Corporation. Right. And it takes about like what feels like an hour and a half to actually play out in full before we actually <laughs> proceed. It feels that way because they, they show every letter of the word Hemdale zoom onto the screen and then they jumble up and then spread out to spell the name Hemdell and yeah. then everything else appears underneath it and triumphant music is playing underneath and it takes forever. Yes. Following that we have a cold open on a hospital and we get this POV shot from an elevator and we have slow footsteps but we don't see no feet. No. Because <laughs> it cuts back to the ground and we don't see any footsteps making the sound. Or we don't see and the, and the, the camera keeps switching point of view. It's like it's showing 
where wherever these footsteps are coming from, and then it cuts back to the point of view of the person who's making the footsteps, but we never see anything there. We just hear these annoying footsteps. Yes. And and we get then this reveal, I guess, of this figure dressed in black flashing in and out. So mm-hmm. basically, they'll, you know, one moment there'll be nobody there. You're still hearing the footsteps, and then it will flash in. Suddenly, the actor will be inserted, and right. then he'll. It's just their way of moving. It almost looks like they're teleporting, but still walking at the same speed. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, and it's a pretty consistent thing with these characters of the movie. Now, the way to ruin any of these tracking shots we have with this is just to watch the background around the figure and not look for the figure itself because you keep seeing the lighting and yeah. different things change. Everything about. changes between cuts, yeah. This man in black, and he stops at this one room. He pulls out a pocket watch, he checks it, and then he enters the room, and... He holds his hand over this guy. He's, you know, he's he's hooked up to a machine. He doesn't look like he has much time left. Right. And you see this weird green animated light come out of the man's chest. Yeah, um, it was it, it was obviously like hand drawn onto the film itself. Yeah. And the man awakens, and oh shit, it's a bug-eyed Estevez. Because <laughs> we we should probably address that this is the brother of Martin Sheen. Yes, Joe Estevez. Joe Estevez. Please. The man. Yes. Yes. That's all he's ever referred to as. Yes. The man. And so, yeah, we, we have this weird green animated light escaping from the man's chest. And then once it goes into the hand of the man, the man our soul taker, if you will, he dies. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what he took. And <laughs> so, Zip, this is what I thought immediately of your wife because of the time it takes for the nurses to actually rush into the room. Because this entire time oh, he's yeah. freaking out. You mm-hmm. hear the heart rate monitor just going ballistic. Right. Yeah. And and it's and and it's this whole thing. And this does this is not a quick thing. This that extracting the soul or whatever from this man's body. It takes a while, right? Like a good what forty five seconds Sometimes. for this whole process to take place. Yeah. And then the guy dies, and the monitors that he's hooked up to in the hospital room or whatever have been going off continuously this entire time. And, uh, like, you, you get the reveal of now there's this green glowing ring in the soul taker's hand of where the soul has gone. And he slides it into the, his pocket of his trench coat, and he starts to leave. And then, finally, the nurses run into the room. If, the, if this is how quickly they respond to someone flatlining, uh, don't go to this hospital. <laughs> so that's our opening of the movie. We then have opening credits over an alcoholic asshole named Brad who is drinking while driving in this car that he has. And, and he looks scarier than the man to yeah. me. Really, yeah. When I first saw this guy, yeah. I thought plastic surgery. Is there something wrong There's with something him? weird with his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, you saw that clip, that, that snippet I sent you guys, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. The snapshot of his face yeah. during the car crash. So, oh I mean, God. this guy's cheekbones. I mean, honestly. The, everything is just. Yeah. So, it was. It, mm. he was. He scared me. More he than he the was man. the second most artificial looking person in this Indeed. movie. Indeed. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, but the other guy, there was an excuse. Yes, there was. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's that. Seriously, though, can we just. What is it with them casting, like, these 30 something year old looking people as 20 somethings in our movies? It's yeah. like the reverse. It's like bizarro Jennifer Lawrence type casting here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't Although, get why it keeps happening. Yeah, in our they're movies. all supposed to be college age. Yeah, yeah, around then. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and there's our all main in character just got back from New York. I yeah. will say, um, the the young man who played Zach, 
was a good-looking man. Yeah, he kind of had like a a, a John Stamos slash Bruce Campbell kind of look yep. for me. And he he was not yeah. the worst actor that we've ever seen. He was not uh, great. Not but, great. Um, but yeah, I'll, he I'll was, agree that he looks. He's a good-looking he, guy. Yep, he was yeah. nice to look at. So just saying. Uh, so we have actually a pretty good opening song. I like the 80s song they had playing in the beginning of this. Yeah. Now, while he's driving, we have these shots of our main character, Natalie. She's at her house. She's getting ready for a party of some kind, you know, putting on makeup, mm-hmm. packing clothes, etc. And uh, we have frequent match cuts between her and our other character, Zach, her ex. And the movie is trying so hard in this opening credit sequence to make it look like he's a badass like him you know walking around with his shirt off and st- putting on like his his uh button down slowly and buttoning it up and like right. i laugh because it, it really fails when when you're quote-unquote tough guy can't even turn off an alarm clock with his fist without trying like seven or eight times you see that shot <laughs> yeah he has to hit it like four times before <laughs> Poor finally, Zach. You know. it's like why do you even keep that in the movie we're establishing here i guess that brad the guy in the car who is going to pick up zach to go to this event coming up later. Brad was a former drug dealer, and we yeah. find out that that was Coke. Mm-hmm. That was his trade. So we, we should also say that Natalie, by the way, our character, is the daughter of the mayor of, of the mayor. Town. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's Mobile, Alabama. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, they actually say it in the dialogue. Okay. So Karen, a friend of Natalie's, comes over to, their, to her place to pick her up, and they're about to leave. And then we have this, we, we learn about him being mayor because he and his wife come downstairs and he's like, you know, I'm so glad to see you already. I, I can't wait to go to this event. And she goes, oh, daddy, I'm not going to this stupid, I'm not going to your event. And he, I actually felt kind of bad for the dad on this part because the guy, the way the guy delivers this line is like really kind of. Yeah, he's, I'm, a, I'm about to give the most important speech of my career and my daughter's not going to be there to support me. Yeah. It's like, ooh, burn. And the yeah. way he said way it, to too, he just sounded legitimately disappointed. I kind of yeah. gave this actor some props. <laughs> yeah. It's the only time. Yeah. The only time. Oh, yeah, yeah well. Uh, so we have this disappointed father dialogue, and but then he ends it. Yeah. Well, because he's, he's convinced that she's going to see Zach, yeah. which... She's going he to something called to, Summerfest. This is the scene we find out that Zach uh, got busted because of Brad's drug dealing. Right. And uh, the, the mayor pulled some strings to get Zach out of it, but has resented him ever since and yeah. is the one who made the deal with his daughter to never see him again. And so when she says she's going to the Summerfest thing with Karen, her dad assumes that he, she's going there to see him. She's going there to see him, and that's what gets him so upset. Yeah. yeah. And which, yeah. you know, it raises some questions with the whole thing of this past, because if she, if he was busted for his involvement with Brad, how come Brad has never crossed paths with Natalie before? Because they established that later on. They've never met. Did they? They'd well, but he, know, he knows who she is because his Brad's whole contention is she's too good for you. Out of your league. and Yeah, which yeah. is why Zach should have nothing to do with Natalie, which makes absolutely no sense, but whatever. Yeah. To me, it, it sounds to me like there's some subtext going on here that Brad actually has feelings for Zach and he doesn't want anybody else to have it. You pick and that, that would have made a much that more made, interesting movie. That would have been way more yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now we we cut to Summerfest, which is just uh, just the most uh, Caucasian party I've ever seen. Oh, I know because she made it out to sound like Summerfest is like the thing to do right. in this town, and Summerfest looks like the most 
just the lamest bullshit. It's a but day, there it's were, a day party. There were so many balloons, you guys. Oh, the fucking balloons. <laughs> this movie was about balloons, and they're my hobo in a barn. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first inanimate hobo in a barn. <laughs> So, welcome to Soul Taker, folks. It's actually a movie about balloons. <laughs> oh, you, oh your joke has given Zip the black lung. I'm sorry. Yeah, no joke, because balloons, balloons come back later, everybody. Oh, God. Oh yeah. God. So, there you go. Uh, was there any kind of symbolism with the balloons, by the way? Because they just keep fucking showing the, up. They're, they're, they have smiley faces on them. Yeah. yeah. It's just re- like and, regular balloons, except yep. they have smiley faces. And one of the on balloons them. changes. And they're all over town. Yeah. And there's one during the car crash that changes from opaque to clear. So, yeah, dude. And that one's my special hobo in a barn. <laughs> the one from the car? Oh, wow. Yeah, the one tear. from the car. Because <laughs> that one complete. Well, we'll get to it in yes. a minute. But yeah. anyway. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Summerfest. This party that's in broad, like in like mid afternoon. Yes. People are yes. drinking and you know dancing like I don't know, like a youth group at a Baptist church. Seriously, I mean, it is yeah, really. It seems it's, to be. It is. It is straight up like middle school white kid dancing. It's yes. so lame. Yeah, it is. It's totally lame. So while this is happening, and I hated this this editing here, they had they have these smash cuts back and forth between the party with this you know this derpy upbeat music playing right probably rights free and then oh it's not rights free by the way this guy is an actual musician who is still around because i saw it during the credits and we'll get to it then but when i saw his name i almost freaked out we have these two (laughs) characters clad in black who are walking down this road one of whom is the man yes yes Yes. one of them is the soul taker we saw from earlier so Mm. you have this upbeat party music and then it smash cuts to this brooding dark music this instrumental track Back and forth, and it's just so jarring. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's like anytime we're at Summerfest, no matter who we're looking at, we've got the happy, upbeat music playing, and then, dumb, right. cheesy, over-synthesized 80s music. Yeah. That's the like creepy horror movie style of, of them walking up the road. And they keep cutting in and out of reality as well on and this in the same keep, shot. If you're going to keep that music for the purposes of tone, then you need to have one of them taking over the other one. If you're trying to set it as a suspense tone like it's trying mm-hmm. to do, have that played over the party. We're not going to miss the bullshit music that you paid like $11 for. Right. Zach and Brad, we're, we're back with them, and they arrive – with this mysterious furniture just fucking... Yeah, was where did this guy come from? Where did the third guy come from? I mean, a vagina at one point, but beyond before that, I have no <laughs> idea. Because when Brad pulls up to Zach's place, there's nobody else in the car, and Zach's get, Zach gets in the car, and they leave while saying something to Zach's dad. Brad says something to Zach's dad. Yep. Uh, whatever. He comes back way too late in the movie. Yes. Um, Agreed. And then we do not see them again until they pull into the parking lot of Summerfest. And when they get out, there's this mystery third guy in the back seat. Yeah. What was his name? Roger, I think. Tom, Tommy? Tommy. Tommy. That's it. Tommy. 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 Where did he Roger? come from? Who is he? <laughs> I don't he? know. Like, he just, <laughs> as they're getting matter. out of the car, he just raises up and starts talking like he's been there the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Tommy. He's just been asleep back there the entire time and decided Jeez. to wake up. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, so... So Brad stays in the car while the two split. He stays in the car. Why? Because he wants to drink and also do some coke. 
And this is where I started to kind well, of Well, he's he stays because he's acting like he's still pissed off that Zach is just there to see, to see Natalie. Natalie. Yeah. yeah. Because they do spot her across the parking lot and then yeah. Brad gets all uppity about it. He's like, "Fine, go see your girlfriend. I'm just going to sit here." And Out. get and pouts. Yeah. And then he keeps checking to see if the coast is clear. Pulls a bottle of Jack Daniels out of the glove box, which, hey, I'm fine with that. But then takes a swig of it, and he acts like it. This is what pissed me off, is that these guys are just carry around this bottle of Jack Daniels like it's nothing. But every time they take a swig, it's like the most foul, disgusting liquid they've ever put in their mouth. Right. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you are swigging Jack like that, you are used to it by now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it like, he takes a swig, and it's like the first time he's ever had alcohol. The, his face just scrunches up, and he's like, <laughs> like it's hard to swallow. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? Ugh. Yep. Fuck you. Didn't buy it. And it happens. Every time anybody takes a drink from that bottle, yes, it's, it's like someone put horse piss in there. Yep. It's, um, no, no. <laughs> that would have been a really funny prank, though. It would have been better than anything that happened in this movie. Amen. So while he's doing that, and again, this is kind of where I started picking up the the feelings for Zach's sort of vibe from him, uh-huh. because the looks he's giving him, like he's you know he's following his gaze, it's just you're you're starting to kind of get that vibe. So I, I get yeah. where you're coming from on that one. Now, while he's pouting in the car, these two men that we've seen walking up the road just appear in front of his car. So one of them is Estevez that we've seen from the beginning. The man. Yes. And the one next to him is a robot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, this guy, because when you first see him... Yeah, well, it's time to address the jaw. I mean, excuse yeah. me, the elephant in the room. Yeah, so <laughs> Robert jaw. Zadar, right? That's yeah, That's his actor's name. Now, he suffered from something called cherubism, but if you didn't know that... I, honestly, when I first saw this guy, I thought that they had put a prosthetic on him. Exactly. Yep. You know, because I'd never seen that before. Um, and uh, he so, like yeah. John it was John Merrick on steroids. Well, right. Yeah. 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 It was like watching The Mask. Yes. Right? Yeah. He looked like yeah. the bad guy from The Mask. So, but not green. No, I'm, I'm talking no, about Mask for its share. Well, I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. It's all right. But yeah, he it just looked like some sort of prosthetic, and I it was very mm-hmm. distracting. Yeah. And so you don't, again. Uh, if you don't know who the actor is. Exactly. Then, yeah. then you don't, you know, you're looking at this guy, oh, well. Okay, then something special is going to happen with this guy, or there's right. right. So, and he, it's, and I, from what I read about him, he was quite a nice guy and did mm-hmm. a lot of acting. And, um, but it was, it's a very weird thing to see that for the first time, um, right. not knowing who he was. And yeah, it's it clear is. that he was obviously cast for a lot of his roles because of his character look with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But it begs the question why this one? Well, right, because well, they don't really act- use it. Well, uh, no, but he is actually credited as the angel of death Correct. in this movie. Okay, he right. is the angel of death. So they went with like some otherworldly kind of larger than life looking. Th- yeah. I, that I can. I, I just sort think of give he was on. completely underutilized. Oh, he was very underutilized. You know, yeah. if you're going to have somebody who looks like that and playing this kind of role, then he should have been the big bad. From the for this from the start, and he should have been. I, I mean, to me, but he's you know, really just he's, he's like a he's, facilitator, right? Yeah, he's really just the the 
the impetus for the man's character to complete his duty. Yeah. That's yeah. really all he's there for. Yeah, I just wish that you he, know they he, they show up. Yeah, and he points. It was like, okay, we're we're taking that one, that one, right. that one, and that one over there, and Basically oh, the and that one over there. Of the movie, yeah, I mean, he could have been the chaotic one. I wanted him no. to be in the movie more, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really did. and I appreciate that. I mean, even though I think it could have been done better, what they they modulated his voice, yes, to make him sound otherworldly, like as a robot, well. and yes. I, and that's why, like, once I realized what they were doing with his voice, and then I realized, oh, there's that's they're going with the look plus the voice to right. make him non-human. Yeah, is he's he's some sort of non-human entity. We don't know where they're from. Right. Is it heaven? Is it hell? Or is it limbo? We don't know. We don't know. So the kids are still partying while Brad does a drug deal because you see him selling coke to somebody. Meanwhile, we enter this nerdy, dopey-looking guy who just, like, pops in the frame for for Natalie, who I thought, honestly, Adina was going to be your hobo in the barn. Tommy. Yeah. No, no Tommy was Tommy? the other guy. Tommy was the guy in the backseat. Because was... Tommy is the guy who goes and just kisses some random girl and yeah. then he leaves. And I was like, that's my hobo right there, but I had to go with balloons. <laughs> well, well um, that's fair. Yeah, the, the, so, I'm, but I'm talking I... about like, the guy who's like, No, the, the guy that hasn't hey. seen Natalie since she went away Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. He was, he's <laughs> he's like two too. people in front of, they're standing in line right. for beer. Yes, yes. Which is being poured out of a cooler. It's a beer. really that just it's says weird. beer on the side of yeah. it, but it's a dollar fifty, so it's a good deal. But uh, yeah, he he's a couple of people in in front of her in line, and then he just, he just randomly kind of... appears right in frame, like Natalie, <laughs> is that you? It's yeah. like the Stephen Tobolowsky role in Groundhog Day. Yes. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Ned Ryerson. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's who this guy was. Yeah, and and he asked her all these questions, and then before she could even answer, he just like pulls her away. Come on, let's dance. Let's dance. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, beer. Let her get <laughs> <Yeah>. beer. <laughs> it's only a dollar fifty. This is the deal of a lifetime. Yeah. Seriously. And and so we have this kind of scene back and forth where she, everyone's slow dancing, everyone's kissing with their significant other. Natalie's with this weird guy and she's looking over her shoulder at uh, Zach, Zach. Zach back there. Yeah. Who's standing there girl. watching everybody dance. Yeah. yeah. They have a couple moments of eye contact and some you know, some sparks fly, I guess. Sure. We also see uh, the soul taker and he recognizes, he sees Natalie, he recognizes her when we cut to a couple Victorian era flashbacks of like them in a carriage, what appears to be a young, like a I th- I think it I think they were going for civil war. Civil war. I okay. think that's okay. the time era that they were looking. I at. trust your judgment. Either way, we get kind of like this like Dracula kind of dynamic thing going on. Like she's like the Nina Harkness. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> she's like Nina Harkness. Did you say Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> so she's yeah. like she's like the Nina to his um... to his Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Parker. Yeah. It I doesn't matter. My bad. It doesn't matter. Um, Let's go back to Dracula. <laughs> God forbid we have any vampire movies coming up on our podcast. <laughs> no, it's Dracula. <laughs> anyway. This so, is way more entertaining than the movie, yes, by the way. way okay, so we have this moment where we see this, I guess... Soldier guy come up to Karen 
They hug. She's like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were going to be here. And then next <laughs> we know, she's just, like, fucking Karen leaving. just takes off and leaves her. What a which bitch. We, and seriously, because how well, we, yeah, what the, we know of Karen from the beginning of this. she's wearing hat, by the way. Right. What we know of Karen from the beginning is that she's totally got Natalie's back. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. totally best friends. And then she just takes the fuck off. And then she off. just leaves. I was like, oh, okay. In someone else's car. Right. Yeah. And so she just leaves how, her. how things proceed from here, they're probably not going to be friends ever again. No. Because we never no, see no, no, her no. again. No, we never see her again. Never see and her again. And I liked her. She was quite good, actually. Mm-hmm. I want to see like her more in the movie because I just yeah. have liked to have seen kind of her response emotionally to what happens to Natalie coming up because her fucking fault. Yep. Yeah. It's all her fault. Seriously. Yeah. So, of course, she's now set up where she has no ride back. And, of course, Zach sees her and offers her a ride back with he, Brad, Tommy, some random chick they picked up at the party. Um, what was her name? Candace? Candace. Candace, yeah. yeah. And Brad's pissed about it because he doesn't want her to come. But he picks her up anyway. And we have the sequence where they're driving down the road at, at top speed. At the, all this, At the same time, Brad is... You know, throwing back handles of Jack Daniels yep. you know, while he's driving, speeding. Everyone's like, all right, you should slow down, dude, but he won't. He's like, I can't hear you. The music's too loud. <laughs> and yeah. then <clears> – <throat> Yeah, they're passing the Jack around, and then Candace takes a swig of it, and then that's when she puts the balloon out the window. <laughs> so she has one of the balloons. Yeah. Because th- that was the thing that got me. I was like <laughs> – I didn't even know that that Brad actually knew this chick. Right. But, like, you just see him, like, they're standing next to him. Uh, they're standing next to each other. He buys a balloon, gives it to Candace. She takes it and then kisses Brad. Yep. For giving her the balloon. And yep. I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> where's the Summerfest when I was a kid? <laughs> if that's all it takes. Buying a damn balloon? Seriously? Seriously. Because I didn't know they knew each other. I thought they were complete strangers. No, like, I'm just going to buy this balloon and hand it to this girl. And this girl starts making out with him for it. Seriously, dude. It's, it's like the fucking Catalina wine mixer of its time. <laughs> <laughs> Summerfest, Alabama. The Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> fucking Catalina wine mixer. Oh, my God. <laughs> she loves this balloon, by the way. Yes. Because she, like, pours alcohol all over it because she's like, hey, I'm going to get it drunk. No wonder it's so happy. Yeah, she pours the jack on the balloon. No wonder he's so happy. <laughs> and then pushes it out the window. Yep. We we then get this cut of the soul taker walking dramatically into the middle of the road and just waiting. And they're going so fast, they turn a corner, and he's suddenly there in front of them. They yep. swerve to miss him, and they run straight into a tree. And mm-hmm. then, you know, cut to black. Yep. And up until now, you have to... You have to determine, like, how the soul taker gets seen. Because normally the soul taker is invisible. People can't see them. They can't see him, right. And so you have to decide for yourself that the soul taker can decide when he can be seen. To appear yeah. in front of this car to make right. them swerve. It's the only yes. time this ever happens, too. Yeah. He, the only yeah. time he ever manifests himself in the physical world. Yeah. So it's very, you have to make this jump yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not explained. And then, I don't know if you noticed or not, because it is a split second, right as the the car hits the tree, and then we cut to black. A split second before we cut to black, there's a flash of the green glow around the car. And it's so weird, because it's like, why? Why? Yeah. Why did that happen? I didn't understand that. And maybe that's... And this is is the beginning of the issues with the lore that this... 
movie is trying to establish. Is that what caused them? Because the next thing we see, they're laying on the ground, and it's the middle of the night. Right. And they wake up, and they're like, oh, I'm okay. Everything's right. okay. What's so is going that on? What caused so the is that what caused the displacement? Of the bodies? Right. You know, yeah. I personally think the editor was just like, hey, Greg, guess what? I just found this thing called Windows Movie Maker. It's really neat. Look what I can do. <laughs> Whee! Yeah. Well, yeah. no, so the, I think strange. what we're talking about really rests on the shoulders of, what's her name, Natalie? Yeah. Because she wrote the movie. Yes, she did. Right. So the kids wake up at nighttime now, seemingly unscathed. The car is nowhere to be seen. Now, we then cut to the, where the car actually is, mm-hmm. and it's revealed that there are dead bodies in the car. And, you know, we have the soul taker who approaches the car. He opens the door. He hovers his hand over Candace yeah. and her. Yeah, because brain. they've realized, like, the, the four of them are the ones laying on the ground, but that Candace is not there. Right. They don't see her. But when we cut to the car, everybody's body is still in the car, but she actually is died. actually dead. Yes. Yeah. So the soul taker reaches in, takes her soul into the glowy green ring thing and puts it in his pocket. Then he reaches over to grab Brad's soul and nothing happens. And he can't. Yes. And that begs the question, why? Because he had no problem with the man in the beginning of the movie. Because then, the, because they, they, the their souls are the ones that are displaced. Okay. The so. soul is no longer in the body. That's why they're able to walk around. And so the, 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 the kids who are still walking around are the green juju stuff. Are the green juju stuff, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, that, that clears that up. He gives the soul now, which appears in the form of a glow stick. That's, yes. that's all we see. It's just like a, a, a round little glow stick. He gives it to Robodeath, who shows up, you know, Robert Zadar's character, the Angel of Death. Mm-hmm. He gives it to him, who no longer in the scene has a voice distortion. Right. Not in this scene, at least. Uh, he pockets it and tells him, you know, he has to go collect the souls of the yeah, others. Yeah, he says, you must find them and you must abide by the rules of time and space. Quickly. That's what he says. Yes, yes that's what he says. Which... Makes sense as to why every time they're about to take someone's soul, they look at their watch because the time has to line up. But that's not explained. No. Time and space. None of this stuff is explained as to how all of this works. So That's the one line we get that that attempts to explain this was supposed to happen. Shit. But it doesn't explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get to we cut to probably in my opinion the most worthless subplot in this entire movie God. police investigation mm-hmm. because we cut to this these two cops one of them's a detective at the car crash site and it's this one guy saying hey why do you think the door's open that's that's a little weird don't you think and the guy's like yeah and that's it and that's, that's it pretty much all that happens in the scene and, oh well of course sorry i forgot we get one of my favorite cliches in 90s action movies where uh, they find drugs and they test it by dipping their pinky in there and tasting right. it. And yes. tasting it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, oh, God. So they, they load the bodies up into the ambulance. The kids then find the car in their realm of wherever they are right now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, We actually get a pretty good jump scare that I, I thought where they look in the back seat and suddenly Soul Taker's back there. And it made me right. laugh because do you just get in the car and just decide to like chill out and wait yeah. for them? <laughs> 
How long has he been waiting here? Because he figured they would, they will, they'll try to find the car. Right. Uh, yeah. He then steals Brad's soul because he chokes him, and then he basically takes the green out of him, and now right. Brad is dead. Because right. Yeah, and so and then we dies. cut to Brad's actual body in the ambulance, and he starts seizing. Right. So he dies. So he dies on the way to the hospital. We then cut to our convenience store set where our three surviving, I won't call them heroes, kids, yeah. run in. Protagonists. And, uh, we we had this derpy clerk on the phone with this woman that he apparently cheated on or something, which, again, they're trying to spice this up with some comedy, but it just didn't work for me in the scene. Oh. It doesn't work at all. This entire scene, uh, to me, this entire scene is the worst scene in the whole movie. It's just a plot device to get rid of one of them. Yes. That's yeah, all they accomplish with it. But it takes forever and it's pointless otherwise. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, it's just establishing this probably this guy that was friends with the director and <laughs> he he's complained to this woman on the phone like, "No, I didn't cheat on you. Just give me another chance." And they realize here that no matter what they say to him, he's not registering that they're that they're there and that they're speaking to him. Right. So they can't be Even seen. Even though they try to do this clever repartee, I'm air quoting so hard. Of where what he's saying on the phone actually matches what the guy's trying, or like Zach is trying to talk to him. And then he says something into the phone that could be a response to what Zach just asked him. Right. But it's not. And it's not funny at all. It's not funny. And, And so what we find out is that they can touch things, but they can't be seen and they can't be heard. Right. So they can open doors, they can dial phones, they can do all this stuff, mm-hmm. but that's it, which is a very strange... It, it's Yeah, it makes no sense. It doesn't yeah, make ghosts? any sense. Yeah. yeah, right? Because if you can touch things... Yeah, so again, here we go with the mythology of this movie right. not making any sense. Yeah, if that was the case, write, pick up a pencil and write something down. Well, right, exactly. The you script can, says... Right. It's, it's, the, it's the Little Mermaid plot hole. What do you do? Right. Now... <laughs> Oh, and and also just for uh, you cigarette smokers out there, the sign uh, out in front of the gas station because they show it many times for some reason. Uh, cigarettes were only a dollar thirty four a pack back then. You're welcome. You're right. Oh, God. The uh, while they're sort of listening on this guy's conversation and where he also steals money from like you know a, a child support donation jar, they focus in on the news where they where they learn that there's been a car accident and that. Their bodies are being taken to the hospital. Right. And yet they're still not connecting the dots on their situation. Right. Well, it's funny, too, because one of my favorite parts about the sequence is they hear on the news that they've been involved in a terrible car accident involving drugs. And Natalie's initial response is, what are they talking about drug-related? That's where we have this scene where Natalie and Zach go off into the aisles and start arguing about drugs and, you know, his involvement with him himself. And he's saying, you know, no, it's, I had nothing to do with this, I promise. I didn't know that Brad was doing drugs. I, I have no idea what's going on with this. Oh, but you're giving this way too much credit. Oh, yes, I am. This, the dialogue <laughs> and the acting in this scene is the room-level bullshit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the, the the argument almost ends with him saying, I did not. <laughs> I, I did not. I'm like, oh, my God. I just found Tommy Wiseau's inspiration for The Room is yep. this scene. Yep. There's no way this could it have been, been scripted. scripted. Yeah. There's, uh, there's no way this was scripted. I, I completely agree. 
Yeah. Because you hear stammering of both their parts, like they're trying to improvise lines on the fly. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like what is my next line? It's, it's, they're not going up on their lines. They're making this they're shit making up. Making it all up. Yeah. And it's horrible. It is. <laughs> and it ends with a quote that I love: "My dad can't get you off this time." <laughs> <laughs> I'm 12, guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so they, they go outside to find somewhere else to go because obviously they're not getting any conclusive results from you know from this situation. So the soul taker then shows up and he confronts them, but he spares Natalie because he has a couple more flashbacks of of his love he, when he was alive. Yeah. yeah. And so he lets them. He lets her go. She and Zach run off. Tommy decides to not run with him. He goes back into the gas station. And he, he loots the register and he holds it up to the soul taker when he walks in. He goes, hey, you want some money? I got, I got some. Because they think he's a drug dealer. That's what they suspect. Because right. still, it still hasn't connected to them yet that there is supernatural elements going on here. Right. Yeah. So they're convinced that some drug dealer is trying to kill them and he offers him money to try to get him to fuck off. And, and obviously, you know, the soul taker doesn't want cash. So he kills him. He takes his soul back. And this is perfect for me because the police show up at the gas station right now. Mm-hmm. And they come in and they bust this guy because he's just huddled over the, a pile the clerk, of cash. The, the yeah, guy the who was attending the the desk yeah. went into the back while all of this happened, and when he came out, saw all of the cash laying on the floor and started picking it up. Right. And that's when the cop walks in and points a gun right at his this, face. I, I gave the movie props for that because I hated this guy and I wanted him to get his comeuppance, and he didn't. And, and he, he did. did. Yeah. Meanwhile, Natalie and Zach have apparently been running for miles while holding hands. I'd like to add. Uh, yes. Because they're suddenly that. back in the suburbs. Instead of the sticks of Alabama. So and we're like, wait, we got to go back for Tommy. Oh, he went back to the store. He's safe. I'm like, really? Really? You yeah. run for like 27 miles and you're only now putting that together? They've been they've been running for, for oh, years <laughs> while holding hands and they stop to take a breath and have this dialogue about we need to go get back. We need to go back and get Tommy. No, he's fine. Uh, uh, uh. And they turn and look and the man is just standing right there. Right. Like yeah. he just instantly appears behind them, yeah. so they start running again. Yes. He's walk. It's it's the whole like Jason scenario from Friday the Thirteenth. No matter how hard you run, Jason's going to walk at a steady pace, and he's always going to be right behind you. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what this was. And they finally get to her house, and her mother's there. And well, <laughs> for for reasons she can see them. Yes. And they don't bat an eye at this because so far they've tried to call the police. They weren't responsive. They've tried talking to the to shopkeeper. He wasn't responsive. And exactly. suddenly the mom. Now was, the mom can hear them and talk to them and interact right. with them. Exactly. Like yeah. nothing's wrong. They told the situation. She doesn't believe them. But, you know, she's still in character. So she's like, honey, we were so worried about you. Your father's out of the hospital checking on you. What's going on? She calls the police, the mother, and she speaks to them, and she tells them to send someone over immediately, or so we think. Right. Right. This director was just so fond of match cuts because they do one from the pouring of water in the bathtub to coffee at the police station. The police station, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the, the mother's big thing is like, hey, Natalie, why don't you just go take a bath with some Epsom salts and feel better? While yeah. they wait for the oh, father like, to get home to give Zach a ride. Now? I'm not six. Right. Like, first of all, those are two completely separate thoughts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, she's just like, you have to go take a bath. You have to go take a bath. Get upstairs and take a bath. It's like, shut up. Yeah. We get it. And the police station, again, useless subplot. They just discuss how weird it is that this guy at the gas station that they arrested had set off the alarm somehow. 
again, nothing. But they caught him stealing the money, and they found the money from the jar in his pocket. So right. obviously, he's a bad guy. Uh, Natalie and Zach start reconciling before saying goodbye. She goes upstairs. She starts hearing footsteps down the hall, which you know indicates, uh oh. But then she looks up, and we have this really creepy shot of the mother like looming at her above this spiral staircase, which I actually liked a lot. Yeah. I like the way they, they framed a lot of the shots with her kind of setting up some suspense. Downstairs, Zach is uh, snooping around. He finds that the dog is afraid of him. The bird in Natalie's room is afraid of her. And we can yeah. get these POV shots of the dog where you can hear Zach talking, but you don't see him. So we're kind of changing the rules up on what, on perception here. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know, again, animals have the sixth sense, apparently. So we get more creepy mom while Natalie sleeps because li- she lies down in the bed and she is... You know, leaning her head back, and the mom walks in. She starts, like, brushing her hair over her chest. And then she wakes up, and she goes, Honey, I drew you a bath. You should get naked and get inside the bathtub now. Meanwhile, Zach is downstairs watching the news. He sees at the hospital the father saying that their daughter is in the hospital still and brain dead. And that they were going to be disconnecting her life support system at midnight. At midnight, right. And then the mother shows up on the news, too. That's right. Yeah, it was like, Oh, he's been through enough. Stop asking him all these questions. Yeah. And cut to these really creepy shots now of Natalie getting undressed in the bathroom, and you see her mother, quote-unquote, watching through the crack in the door. Yeah, and with the creep face. It really uh, you know what? I like – this is this is creepy to me. No, it yeah, was creepy. It was yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then suddenly it turns out that the soul taker is actually the mother. He's been impersonating her very well, apparently. He completely had her character down to a T earlier. Which, again, yeah. with the mythology of this movie, this actor. is the first – this is the first time we've even this is a thing where the soul taker can impersonate some can other become another person exactly. that he's never met before exactly. in his life also, so yeah one of my favorite moments in the movie is, is right here because she realizes that he is that her mother is the soul taker and she lets out this like slow motion t-rex from jurassic park roar yep. Before she it does. cuts away. Yep. What the fuck was that about? Don't know. So she's making that realization at the same time as Zach is downstairs and sees the mom on, on TV, TV and realizes, wait, then who's upstairs with Natalie? Exactly. And then he hears the scream, so he runs upstairs to try to figure out what's going on. Right. Sees the soul taker approaching her in the bathroom, grabs a golf club because the, da- the dad is a golf fanatic, apparently. Yes. Because he always has his golf clubs with him in other sh- scenes. This is, right after, this is right after the soul taker's been propositioning Natalie. Right. Come with me. Be with me. We're meant to be together. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Zach shows up, you know, clubs him over the head with a golf club. He goes down. Uh, they start to fight. Natalie... She she grabs a gun from across the house and fires it on the soul taker while he ha- while the soul taker has Zach by the throat. Right. We're getting some fan of the opera bullshit up in here because he's like, come with me, I'll spare his life. We get more flashes to old photographs of Natalie and the soul taker in this past life that we keep establishing. Anyway, Natalie fires the gun. The gun doesn't hurt him, but golf clubs do. See, yeah, that, it makes confused. no sense. Yeah, like the golf club. Well, was it a silver golf club? Knocked his ass right <laughs> to the ground. Right, but but she, he takes a shotgun blast to the stomach and just looks at her and steps aside. And you see where the shotgun went yeah. through the wall, but it didn't touch him. Right. We then get a shot of the soul taker throwing Zach out of a window. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because Zach is since he's this he's displaced know, incorporeal form yeah he's right. he's now he's, he's not okay. actually injured because he's not in a physical body to right. be injured so but he it's just okay. 
gets up, it, which it, becomes important later on. <sighs> well, we get this really goofy shot of the soul taker that jumping out the window. Yeah. This slow motion, like it almost you can almost see the wires on there just yeah. from the way he descended. Cut back to the hospital. My God. Okay, so we have this scene in the waiting room with Natalie's parents and Zach's dad. Yeah. These are t- three individuals who are about to pull the life support on their children who have just – who have only hours ago been found near dead from a, a near-fatal car accident. Right. With others that have been killed. Yes. And they could not look any more nonchalant about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean it's it's – yeah, like you said, this has only been a matter of hours, and they're already going to pull the plug on the kids. And that was what was established in the TV interview with the mayor, is that both of them. Right. They didn't interview Zach's dad. Mm-mm. The mayor said, no, we've decided we're going to pull the plug on both of them. Well, he's the mayor. He makes the call. <laughs> well, but there's I guess no he really isn't going to get him off this time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But there's no emotion. The, support, the, the stakes are not high. It's completely not believable. But, and the parents just don't care. Yeah. They're talking to each other about their children, and they're just like, yeah, I guess we're just going to have to pull the plug. He'll be fine. Well, the like the mom and Zach's dad are, but her dad the guy who played is the still mayor. pissed off that she was in the car with yeah. Zach. The guy who played the mayor was freaking awful. Yeah. This guy was terrible. Yeah, it was just dumb. It was all dumb. He's just, yeah, it's like he's almost pulling the plug just because he's still pissed off at her. Right, yeah. It's like, really? You're not even going to give him a fighting chance? So Zach and Natalie run to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Again, only took them like a couple of days. <laughs> How are they able to get around so quickly? Like, again, we've established that they have no teleportation abilities. Like, holy shit, give the ring of power to them and let them go to Mordor. This would have been like over like... 12 minutes. Yes. But, you know, they get to the hospital, and they finally put the situation together that they are in a supernatural situation. They yes. realize, hey, finally. We're, yeah. We had to find our bodies and somehow find a way to get back inside ourselves. <laughs> we arrive at the hospital. He's 12. Yes. <laughs> the Soul Taker, uh, oh, my God, this is one of, another one of my favorite movements in the movie. So they, they sneak into the hospital, and they get on the elevator with this, like, this, this guy. He was almost my hobo. Oh, my God. I, I don't was, blame I'm you. I'm shocked he wasn't. I, I was thinking that. Yeah, he was I almost was my hobo. Yeah. I loved this guy. So this tell us about orderly, this, And, of course, you know, with me and people of color, there are two people of color in this movie. One is one of the reporters, and then this orderly, who's yeah. got a Walkman on, and he is having the best time. And we never see him again. Singing some kind which, of reggae song. Exactly, yeah. And so I was like, that's it? That's all we get of this guy? And he was gone. No, oh, no. We get the best twist with him. He's the soul taker He's the soul taker. It's the man. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. In disguise again. In disguise, yeah. So that meant that the so, soul taker possessed this one dude and started doing this shit just to throw them off. Which... <laughs> like, I, I just like, don't... I just love like, that is... That is really going above and beyond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no precedent. They don't know, there this, isn't. They don't right. know this orderly. No. Yeah. So he could have just like stood there stone-faced and just waited. But no, he's like, I'm going to act casual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to do these dance moves and sing this oh reggae song. Yeah, man. And then, yeah. <laughs> then once their guard's down, he shoves Zach out of the elevator, closes it behind him with Natalie, and then he says, we're going to go up to the seventh floor. And she's like, but there's there only six no seven floors. Floor. And he's like, I know. He says, she says there is no seventh floor, and he says, 
There is where I come from. Okay, I hated this part. Zach is racing the elevator back and forth from floor to floor trying to track where it's going. Because he runs up a flight of stairs and he sees it goes up to the next floor. I guess he follows it up another floor and sees it to the, ne- to the next one, but... Yeah, because he, he makes it all the way up to the sixth floor and he sees the light above the elevator. Right. The six lights up and then it goes away. So they mean like, where did it go? Yeah. Right. We don't know. Meanwhile, the Soul Taker and Natalie then arrive at the seventh floor. He doesn't... Zach doesn't make it in time. While... Zach is down there lamenting that he hasn't caught up. We he suddenly hears a voice that he recognizes, and turns out it's Brad. Brad. Brad is uh, now a soul taker, and he's in one of the uh, hospital rooms taking the soul of a person near death. This is actually kind of cool. The, I like yeah. this mythology like that this. if you mm-hmm. kill somebody in your life, then in order to pay it back, you become a soul taker. And so with this mythology, I thought, well, this isn't a bad thing. No, this this is the only part about it that actually makes sense. Yeah, so if you... And he was technically responsible for Candace's Candace's death death. because she died on impact. Right. So the, the fact that this movie had a really interesting way of reconciling, you know, if you kill somebody, then you have to, pay it back and this is what you're pay it back in the this is your whatever hell or whatever you have to do so i thought that was pretty yeah and they established that he he doesn't even know who he's working for exactly so he doesn't know if he if if he's working for heaven or hell or if there is right or if this is just what the afterlife is and and that's why uh, this movie was a little confusing as well because it's seeming to be a horror film but soul takers are doing a job so they're not good or bad necessarily. They're just doing their job. Sure. So which it, kind of gives some, which kind of lends some credit over to Robert Zadar's character because again he's the supervisor. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it doesn't succeed as a horror film. It succeeds better as a thriller because yes. the man is just being a dick. So yeah, he's he's working off his off of his own selfish intentions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now th- I actually like Brad. As he's developed, as the soul taker, he's mm-hmm. great. Because earlier, when I first saw this movie, like when he when he gets killed off earlier, I was kind of pissed because I was thinking you're leaving, you're getting rid of him now, but you're leaving Tommy behind. Right. It's like you could the guy that we s- have no investment in whatsoever. Yeah, right. yeah. I was thinking except for gonna, the fact that he likes to walk up to random women and, and kiss, kiss them. them. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking they were setting up Brad to but be hey, some sort of foil to them later on. Some sort of antagonist, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, completely subverted my expectations. I was I actually dug Brad's arc in this because he's cool. Yeah. He's yes. he's just you know, don't worry, Zach, you're not on my list. Here's what's going down. He explains the whole situation to him, and then you know, against while he's tough to come around to it, Zach basically talks Brad into helping him out. Yeah. yeah. Which to try to get back into cool. their bodies. Yeah, yeah. It redeems the character. I liked it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I guess Natalie and the Soul Taker decided to go back from the seventh floor because they go to Natalie's room where her body is, mm-hmm. and then they go back to the seventh floor. Um, why? I don't know. But hey, there you have it. Well, he's he, he's trying to convince her to come with him, and that's the only way that she's going to be able to live. Because if she does make it back to her body, the only thing that's going to happen is she's still going to die eventually. Right. Yeah. So why not come with me and, and we be can immortal. be yeah, together yeah. forever and things will be great and you won't have to deal with all the misery and heartache of real life. And that's – is this when we finally get the flashback that finally explains 
That he killed her? That he killed yeah. her. Yeah, that, that they were in love and he thought everything was great, but he came home from the war or whatever and she was in bed with another man and he ended up shooting them both. He killed her. And it's not told very well. Cause it's it's not told, no, no it's because it's just told in still, uh, in still photos, yeah. not in actual like filmed segments. Yeah. yeah. So he takes her back up to the seventh floor and we're in this like weird misty ha- foggy hallway sort of thing and yeah. you see other soul takers other soul walking takers. to and from yeah. so apparently this one hospital in alabama is their port in and out of the <laughs> their world and ours whatever well it's, all hospitals must have one because that's where they do most of their soul taking. that's true that's yeah. okay I'll, I'll give the movie that because that's where that's where we see most of the other soul takers that right. they appear in hospitals so and, and we get more temptation here from the soul taker than natalie saying come with me look I, I don't even kill i just take souls and first of all that's bullshit because he was staying in the middle of the fucking road and he's the reason the car accident happened right. exactly so. yeah. but it's okay because zach gets you with the help of brad gets that seventh floor the elevator opens he pulls her into the elevator i'm not sure why the soul taker had difficulty stopping the door from closing because he gets there in plenty of time to do it but he just gets pushed back and can't go on the, the elevator with them. Said. oh yeah exactly yeah. brad then gives them two black rings that he has with no explanation on how to use them then he splits they no, he does because Zach indicates like you. So I put my hand on the chest and then what? Oh, does he? So he, yeah. Oh, well, so there, there is some explanation given at some point. Okay. Yes. Well, then they reach Natalie's body and she presses the ring to her chest and then disappears. We don't right. know where she is. So she she has gone back into, into her, her body. own body. Yes. And meanwhile, Soul Taker shows up. She's not coming back to life. She's not waking up. Yeah, she goes back into her body, but she's not becoming. Conscious, because they've already turned the machine off. Zach then opts to take her soul. So he absorbs her soul into the little green ring thing that he has. Right. How did he know he could do that? I don't know, but hey, there you have it. He, I guess he saw Brad do it, so he put it together. Correct. Brad escapes to, I guess, the attic of this hospital? Because it's like, what, what yeah, is this? Yeah, there's just a, there's, it's like a steam, pi- there's like steam pipes and all this other shit. I yeah. don't know. Which you would think would be in the basement of the hospital, Ding. but well, yeah. whatever. Which is not, because he, then he gets to the roof next. The soul taker's behind yeah. him. He jumps off the roof because he figures out he could do that just fine. Because he knows yes. if I jump off the roof, I'm going to land and be, be fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. And then just before, uh, just before the soul taker could follow him, the jo- excuse me, the angel of death appears and tells the soul taker that it's over now. Yeah, it's past minute. He had till the deadline right. of midnight because that's when they were going to turn off the machines. Yeah, go home, and, if, and, and if he did not take their souls before their bodies died, then they would be lost forever. Right. Yeah. And so he had till midnight. It is now five minutes past midnight. He missed his deadline. He didn't do his job, and now he has to pay the price. Yes. And uh, Zach then returns his glow stick to his body, and. Then he runs to Natalie's room because he's now back. He's alive. Now he's back into yeah. his body. He yeah. he woke up immediately yeah. after putting his soul back. He, he runs to Natalie's room he and he returns her soul to her. Is this like the it's not working, so turn it back off and turn it back on approach to bringing someone back to life? Yep. It, was it must be. Unplug yeah. and plug back in. Yes. And, uh, you know, while this is all happening, uh, Robert Zadar then kills the soul taker. He absorbs his soul into, right. like, a little disc, and whatever happens from there happens from there. And and goes about his way. We get this he moment. just disappears. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of that storyline. We, we get a moment of tension where uh, we have the heart rate monitor. It's still not working. It doesn't appear to be. And suddenly, beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep, beep. <laughs> 
she slowly starts reviving. Natalie wakes up. Yes. And then we get our epilogue where Zach and Natalie are now together again. With a gorgeous car, by oh, the way. Yeah, it's the one that he was restoring. It was established in the beginning of the movie. There was a car he was restoring, but we didn't see it because it was completely it was com- covered. covered. But so this we didn't car... see what kind of car it was. Oh, my God. It's it is, so beautiful. It is a gorgeous yeah. car. Nicely done, Zach. And there's one point where they're driving off and she goes, do you think he's ever going to come back? And he's like, nah. And they drive off. And I... He says, maybe we'll meet again in paradise. Because Which that's makes... the name of the song that was playing right. in the in yeah. the closing credits. And yeah. so it doesn't even make any sense. No, it course, doesn't make any yeah. sense at all. As, as the credits start, you see the car driving off down the road into the distance. And I waited. I waited and waited and watched carefully, just waiting for like a flash of the soul taker to show up at one point. But no, it didn't do it. No. Why didn't they do He's that? Gone. Because he's gone. I know, but they He's could've... been absorbed. He's gone. He's done with. There's why, no more why would they ask the man him? character. That would have been a great stinger, I felt like. I, I felt like it was a missed opportunity. There or were a somebody. lot of missed opportunities in this movie, Jack. That, that's the... <laughs> Maybe it's like that, that is the least of his problems. One. Just another soul taker. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, oh, oh shit, something's going to happen to them in the car. And that's it for the movie. So let's uh, take a quick break and come back with some trivia. Okay, we are back. So, what do you guys have dug up on this one? Um, I I mentioned it earlier, um, but that Miss Schilling, um, Vivian Schilling, who uh, was Natalie, but also wrote the, wrote the screenplay. Um, she actually won a Saturn Award for this. Um, for this movie? Is, yeah, for this movie. <laughs> well, I yeah. have no respect for the Saturn Award. Yeah, no, I know it makes you. <laughs> twice um but actually she's a very successful novelist now she has done some other acting um but she's done some voice acting she's written a few other movies so she's she's very successful um in spite of this movie Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so she's got um a book out now uh called quietus i believe that's what it's called and uh so yeah so there's that and then um uh there was something else Oh, the, I, about Robert Zdar. Um, so we know we mentioned that he suffered from cherubism, but he was also a singer, a keyboardist, and a guitar player. He was in a couple bands, and then at, at one point he was also a Chippendales dancer. Wow. Yeah, so that makes me happy. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I got. For me, I have the, uh, the budget for this one was $242,000. And the box was two hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars. <laughs> womp womp. womp, womp. Moving along to best line, worst line. All right. So who's got a best line? Um, me. Uh, just just because I, it just sort of summed up the dialogue for this entire movie uh, for me. Um, at when they're when they're they're back at her house and mom is pouring the bath upstairs and they're they're basically saying they're goodbye. She's going to go upstairs and rest and take a bath. He's going to wait for the cops to get there and the cops will take him home. They're saying their goodbyes to each other, and this is the interaction that happens between them, Natalie and Zach. Natalie says, if I never see you again, take care of yourself. (laughs) And he says, just like this, yeah, 
Okay. That's it. That's it. And then she goes upstairs. And it's like, that's the best you've got to say. After all the shit you've been through, that's the best you've got to say to each other right now. That was your best line? That was his best line. Well, and I use that as my best line because it just, that to me sums up the entirety of the dialogue in this movie. Oh, yeah, because it was so bad. Which should be subtitled Missed Opportunities. Indeed. My, my, my best line was from Brad, and uh, this was when he was when he's revealed to be a soul taker, and he says to Zach, Led Zeppelin was wrong. There is no stairway to heaven. My, mine was, there is no seventh floor. There is where I come from. Worst line. What do you got, Zip? Uh, I have two, actually. Um, but I will wait and see if either of you have the other one. Mine, um, the first one I chose was actually at the end when he is, uh, Zag is back in his body and he goes back and puts her soul back from the glowy ring back into her body. And then he's kneeling over her and he's waiting for her to come back. And he just says, don't die. Don't die. Okay, if she does, it is completely on your shoulders because you are the asshole who let her body lay there for 10 minutes. Yep. Her, she has been dead for 10 minutes, and now you put the soul back yep. in her body and hope she comes back to life. Asshole. After her putting herself in there the first time, and it didn't work, and he pulled her soul back out yep. and left her body laying there that was already dead. How is any of this possible? Now you're going to say don't die? Really? You saying don't die is what magically brings her back to life? It Fuck is. you. All right. My worst line, when the father, when the mayor is talking to Natalie about her, his disagreements about her going out, and when she walks away and he goes, should have had a boy. Yep. That's my worst line as well. Yeah. Yep. So it was offensive? And it's <laughs> hypocritical because I don't know if you remember the thing you said about 30 seconds ago, pal, but the reason that you are disapproving of your daughter's choices is because of it's a because boy. of a boy. Right. Yeah. So fuck yourself. Yeah. Yep. What's your other worst line? I, I was really surprised this wasn't yours, Jack. Um, I don't I know the one. The pun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because we had said in the, in the, in the gas station – when he when he finally shows up to take Tommy's soul, and he's holding him by the neck up in the air, he says, "Closing time." <laughs> Which why? You know why? Yeah. It, that's giving it way too much credit. I I almost wish he'd said it that way. <laughs> he kind of did. Like, that's the thing. Time. Well, that's the thing about. You know, the Estevez and the Sheens. If you close your eyes, you cannot tell which one is actually no, speaking. They have the same voice. Yeah, that's true. And so th- what they say sometimes does feel like they're saying it that way. Closing time. Just because they have that timbre to their voice, of you know. But why? What? That's the only time in the entire movie that a Schwarzenegger-level pun is actually stated. Right. Why? That's the only time. It makes no sense. No sense. And it still doesn't even make sense. If he was killing the attendant, then yeah, I would understand. But, but not no, Tommy. Th- it, just because they're standing in a gas station, it doesn't it make doesn't any make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Drinking game. Every time there are balloons. 
All the balloons. <laughs> they do show back up later in the movie. They do. The bl- they, do. they come back because the they're in the all hospital. Throughout the, yeah. They're all throughout the movie because <laughs> yeah. it's a movie because about balloons. Because it's a movie about balloons. Yeah. I would, I, was, um, I would take a shot anytime we see a green ring, yep. the glo- green yeah. glowy soul ring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Swig every time you see them vanish, reappear. That effect. Oh, yeah, wow. it's not that as opening much as you sequence. Think. It's now not, it's just in the t- it's just when we first apart. see him in the hospital hallway, and then and when then the two of them the are walking fest. up the road, yeah. and that's yeah. really it. Yeah. That's yeah. the only time. It no, happens. if you really want to kill your brain functions, you you drink every time it cuts to a shot of uh, Estevez with his mouth open. Because <laughs> <laughs> so many shots, it's just like hanging there. Yeah. He might have been a mouth breather. Mouth breather. Yeah. 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 All right. So what did they do right? Not a lot. Um... I will. Here's the the yeah. There were there were lots of sound issues. Editing is so god awful. Um, but here here's one thing I will give them uh, as far as the sound in the opening scenes uh, when we see both Natalie and Zach getting ready in their perspective houses. They're listening to the same song on the radio. She's listening to it on her hi-fi system that she has in her fancy mansion that they live in. And he is listening to some little bitty boombox thing that you have to adjust the antenna to pick up the signal because because 1990, y'all. Every time they cut back and forth, you hear the change in quality of the sound of the song. So from his little AM FM tuner, it's grainy and not great. When you hear it from her hi-fi system, it's like full on living color kind of thing. And, and so they did keep making that adjustment as they switched back and forth. And I appreciated that. I thought that was nicely done. There were other sound things like at Summerfest when we go from the jaunty, Hey, 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 to the dun, dun, creepy synthesizer. That was just so jarring. You know, the match cuts were effective in this movie. They were kind of random, but they worked for me yeah. for the most part. But I, yeah. I'd say two things. I'd, I'd say Robert Zdar, I really, the more that I think about this movie, the more I appreciate him just as a human. And I wish there had been more of him. Yes. And then I think just the whole, the, the thought of the soul taker like that, that about, you know, if you kill somebody, then this is what you have to do. I thought that was, that was a neat thing. Um, I don't think it was executed very well. I think as a screenplay, it's got. A shit ton of bullshit and problems, but that as a, as an idea, I thought that was very clever and new. All right, you asked me what they did right in this movie for me, and I'm going to have to come out and say that I think they did a lot right in this one. Um, I unabashedly and unironically liked this movie. <laughs> now. <laughs> Okay. You're the only one. Let me explain. No, no. I, I, Keep talking. I, I, I and it wasn't because of a hammy over-the-top villain this time, I promise. Mm-hmm. So, no, okay. So I liked the concepts and the ideas behind this movie because they were creative. They weren't necessarily very fleshed out. They weren't very well executed in certain parts. But when you kind of look at this as a low-budget, cheap thriller movie to walk into just to like to kill an hour and a half of your time off i would i, I could have watched this like in, like again like i said earlier i could have watched set this entire movie in the 90s if i put it on tv i wouldn't have you know rushed to watch it religiously but you know as far as, far as dialogue goes it's not very well written yeah 
the directing isn't great. The editing isn't superb. Some of the acting is hammy. Some of it's understated. But hell, I mean, look look at Boondock Saints. Like that's not that much different than that. For example, that movie has a cult following, nonetheless. Um, Boondock Saints is way better than I'm this not piece it's of as shit. Good. I'm <laughs> saying that. No, you just said they were the same. You just said those exact words, Jack. You take it back. I'm bitch. saying they're comparable on their merit. No, no they, are they are not. not. Oh, oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Additionally. There were gems scattered throughout this movie for me. Like I, like I said, mm. I really liked Brad's arc. I, you go into the movie not yes. liking him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a strange-looking guy. He's got issues. The, the whole alcoholism thing was a little bit crazy how he was like pouring it back like he was Nick Cage and leaving Las Vegas. Right. But, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. He still had an arc that went on, and it actually had a, a pretty well-connected through line. Like he found peace of some kind and purpose in the afterlife. He did. And it reformed him as a character. I liked that a lot. I actually bought the two leads as far as chemistry went for the most part. I actually – They were all right. Um, yeah. Again, like I, I don't think the movie was very well defined in terms of its lore, but kind of what reminded me of the type of horror and thrills it was trying to kind of give to us as an audience, it reminded me a lot of what It Follows, the movie that just came out a couple of years ago, the horror movie, succeeded in doing that sort of paranoia sense, but not necessarily trying to – scare you with just loudness and noise and jump scares. So I I think, and that's a movie also with, for the most part, not very well defined type of entity as the antagonist. So again, I'm not saying this movie, that movie, this movie is better than it follows. It isn't, it's not better than Boondock Saints. It is not, but for the sum of its parts, as far as its ideas and a couple of its characters and a couple of the scares that it employs, I think it actually was a pretty effective movie. All right, then. Hey, that's what You're sense. allowed to think that. I still love you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that being the case, Zip, since you disagree, I want to know what grade you give yeah. this movie. On the flaming cinematic turd meter. I, under, I understand what you're saying, but to me, the, the logical shortcomings of the story they were trying to tell kept pulling me out of it. Because I would stop and think, no, wait, but that's not... But how does that work? And the next thing I know, I've missed an entire scene because I'm still trying to wrap my head around the concepts they just presented to me. And it, so it, on, on that level, it just it didn't work for me because if I can't figure out the logic of their own movie, why should I invest any more concern than I already have into these characters? So, which, which is never a good sign. So that, for me, that's, that's where it kept falling apart. Um, now I, I, I do see what you're saying though. I do see what you're saying and I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But for me, it just, it didn't work. Uh, so, uh, oh God, it, it was just, there was more wrong than there was that actually worked for me. So for this one, I would say a four. All right. Well, there you have it. And that is it for another episode of It Came From The Bottom, brought to you, of course, by Head Games Entertainment, your ultimate source for digital series, podcasts, and more. Once again, I am Jack. I'm Zip. I'm Adina. Next time, the Skydivers.